RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. Tonight's headlines. A top mainland official says Beijing will lead electoral reform in Hong Kong. Xiaobao Long also says, sorry, Xiaobao Long also says key positions should only go to staunch patriots. And the chief executive and top officials get the first COVID-19 vaccines in the SAR. A top Beijing official has said the central government will spearhead electoral reform in Hong Kong to block anyone who acts against the interests of China and Hong Kong from taking up positions of authority. The head of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, Xiaobao Long, says only staunch patriots can be allowed in Hong Kong's executive, legislative and judicial branches of government. Vicky Wong reports. An article published on the website of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office quotes Xiaobao Long as saying that Hong Kong's leadership, from the executive to the legislature and the judicial systems, must compose of staunch patriots. He's quoted as saying at a closed-door forum on One Country, Two Systems that the territory's electoral system must be reformed so that people who oppose China and disrupt Hong Kong cannot take up positions of authority. According to Xinhua News Agency, the Beijing official said, those who hysterically attack the central government, openly advocate Hong Kong independence, badmouth or spread pessimism about China and Hong Kong in the international community, or beg for foreign sanctions against China and Hong Kong, are undoubtedly not patriots. He also said those who advocated mutual destruction in the 2019 anti-government protests are destroyers of Hong Kong's prosperity and stability and are absolutely not patriots. He reportedly said that the most pressing issue is to plug the legal loopholes so that the system not only respects the public's democratic rights and ensures that all elections are just, fair and open, but also safeguards the nation's sovereignty. Mr Shah is quoted as saying the reform must be spearheaded by the central government, but that Beijing would definitely communicate with the SAR government and listen to the views of people from all walks of life in Hong Kong. Democratic Party Chairman Lokin Hay says he believes Beijing is likely to announce the decision to change the city's electoral system during the National People's Congress annual meetings in March. He says comments by the head of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office are suggesting that such a revamp would target elections at all levels, making it more difficult for pro-democracy candidates to join future elections. We can feel that it is strengthening uh, the criteria to uh, be nominated as uh, candidate in any form of the elections and uh, of course that kind of uh, further restriction uh, would I think uh, make the pro-democracy camp to get nominated more and more difficult. That, that is something uh, I expect that will happen in the future. The chief executive Carrie Lam says her government will support Beijing in, report, in reforming the SAR's electoral system. She denies that the patriotism requirement would effectively bar anyone from the pro-democracy camp from public office, saying they're free to participate as long as they're patriotic. She says those who are unpatriotic include people who advocate Hong Kong independence, collude with foreigners to harm the city, and as she put it, people who've forgotten that they're Chinese. Pro-establishment politicians welcomed Beijing's move to reform the electoral system. As Francis Sitt reports, they also brushed aside concerns that the patriots-only rule would bar the pan-democrats from holding any positions of power. Jeffrey Lam from the Business and Professionals Alliance said he hopes the Beijing-led reform will come soon. We need somebody that would protect our government, that would protect our people, not to seek foreign intervention. To hurt us. Lashko President Andrew Lung agrees. As long as you are patriotic, you can have any views. The political spectrum 
can be as wide as possible. The pro-establishment camp already makes up virtually the entire Leshko after pan-democratic members either resigned or were kicked out. The camp's convener Martin Yao denies that this is the way it's going to stay from now on. It's a pluralistic society and it will be a pluralistic assembly in Hong Kong. Mr. Liao also said it's obvious that Beijing has the right to reform the electoral system here, since any changes to the basic law requires approval from the National People's Congress Standing Committee, something that is beyond the scope of Hong Kong's own powers. And the Centre for Health Protection has reported 16 new COVID infections. 13 of them were locally acquired. Four of them have an unknown source. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Chief Executive Carrie Lam and her ministers got their COVID-19 vaccines earlier today. They're the first group of people in Hong Kong to get inoculated here ahead of the launch of the vaccination program on Friday. Natalie Ching reports. Carrie Lam, along with Justice Secretary Theresa Chang, Security Secretary John Lee and most of the rest of her top team were given jabs at the Central Library. The press were invited to cover the process, which was broadcast live on television. Financial Secretary Paul Chan, Environmental Secretary Mon Kam Singh and Commerce Secretary Edward Yao were not among those receiving the shots. Their officers said they were preoccupied with work and would get the jabs later. Mrs. Lam said they had received shots from the mainline company Sinovac, and she hoped that by government officials taking the lead in getting vaccinated, they could reassure people that the jabs are safe. She said if people aren't confident about receiving the jabs because they have heard untrue comments, then the vaccination program will not achieve the intended result. I have to assure every Hong Kong citizen that the government is very serious about the safety, efficacy and quality of vaccines. We would only use vaccines which meet those high standards before we put it into the government vaccination program. The first million jabs from Sinovac arrived in Hong Kong last week, while jabs from Germany's BioNTech are expected to reach the territory by the end of the month. The government's vaccination program is due to get underway on Friday, with those in various high-priority groups the first to be invited to get inoculated. In other news, two men have pleaded guilty to rioting in connection with the July 21st Yunlong attack in 2019. Prosecutors say the pair were among a group of white-clad men who attacked passengers and bystanders at the MTR station there at the height of the anti-government protests. Candace Wong reports. Prosecutors told the district court that Lam Kun Leng and Lam Kai Ming were among those involved in the attack. They said 11 of the prosecution's witnesses were either beaten by the pair or saw the violence taking place. The guilty pleas come on the first day of a trial involving a total of eight men charged with rioting and wounding over the same incident. The other six pleaded not guilty. As the hearing began, Judge Eddie Yip spent a considerable amount of time criticizing the performance of the prosecutors. The judge berated them for handing documents in at the last minute, saying this had left him and the defence lawyers with little time to prepare. The trial is expected to last 25 days. Lawmakers have moved another step closer to changing House rules to curb filibustering. The Committee on Rules of Procedure has passed several motions targeting delaying tactics that were previously used by pan-Democrats. They voted to cut the maximum talking time for each lawmaker for each round from 15 to as little as three minutes. And they said adjournment debates should be capped at two hours. The committee's chairman, Paul Tsai, says the House committee can discuss the proposals this Friday with the full council debating it as early as March 24th. As far as the debating time is concerned, 
obviously we're talking about different items of building time, but essentially uh, the overwhelming majority agree that there should be some kind of limit. On the one hand, the overall debating time of any particular issue or bill in the council, and on the other hand, the speaking time of individual members. So we're doing sort of amendments in both directions to ensure that we will have an effective, efficient, and yet cut down all the abuses. The University of Hong Kong microbiologist says the government relaxed some social distancing measures a bit too quickly. The administration, for its part, believes more time is needed to see how the virus situation is affected by the easing of curbs. Here's Violet Wong. Debate still rages about the government's move to ease social distancing measures last week. Dr. Ho Park Lung pointed out that the COVID situation in Hong Kong remains unstable, with more than 40% of the recent local cases without a clear source. He told an RTHK radio program that although the city recorded single-digit cases on three days last week, it was probably only because less testing was done during the Chinese New Year holiday. And health officials reported 20 new infections on Sunday, the highest figure seen in the past week. Dr. Ho warned there may be a further rebound in infections if people let their gout down after the easing of anti-epidemic measures last Thursday, including a resumption of dining services at restaurants after 6 p.m. Health Secretary Sophia Chen echoed his views, saying more gatherings during the Lunar New Year holiday could pose infection risks. But she told RTHK more time is needed to assess the situation, adding that the government's move to relax certain social restrictions were done in a gradual and more targeted manner. Many students across Hong Kong went back to school for the first time in weeks today as most schools resumed face-to-face classes amid an apparent easing of the COVID-19 pandemic. Priscilla Ng reports. This kindergarten student, wearing a surgical mask and a plastic face shield, was among a throng of students eager to resume classes at a Sao Maoping school, saying she misses her teacher and her classmates. Her mom, meanwhile, filled in a health declaration form as she praised the measures the school's taken to protect the children from coronavirus, including regular disinfection of the facilities and constant reminders to the kids to maintain good hygiene. But she's worried that the many weeks of online classes will inevitably have affected her daughter's education, saying she's worried it'll be hard for the students to catch up. Coronavirus restrictions were eased today, with the Education Bureau allowing up to a third of students to attend classes in person at each school at any one time, while a full assumption will depend on whether schools are willing to get their staff tested once every two weeks. The administration is proposing a new recycling levy for businesses that manufacture or import plastic drinks bottles as part of its strategy to reduce the amount of waste in Hong Kong. It's also calling for rebates for people who return bottles for recycling and plans to set up more reverse vending machines where people can get money back by returning bottles. These proposals are part of a new three-month public consultation that's just been launched. Um, Paul Zimmerman, who chairs a coalition of beverage industry stakeholders called Drink Without Waste, says as long as the scheme is managed well, it should improve the recycling rate. The community has lost trust in the three-colour bin, so we have to regain the trust so they get these drop points to be well-managed, to make sure that we have the right company come collect them, make sure that they ending up at the right recycling point. That is very important, and we can already get a lot, at least 40% of the materials back 
if we can add the five cents to make sure that the informal sector participates, then we can get another 30% back. Um, and if on top of that, we're also going to get some return vending machines at some, some locations, then that will attract another audience. The first real-world results of Britain's vaccination programme indicate it's having a hugely beneficial attack on preventing serious illness. Here's the BBC's Naomi Grimley. In the fourth week after the first dose, a person's risk of being admitted to hospital appeared to be reduced by as much as 94% with the Oxford AstraZeneca jab and by 85% with the Pfizer jab. In the 80-plus age group, the researchers believe there was an 81% reduction in the numbers admitted to hospital. The team said the results were very, very impressive and suggested both vaccines were working spectacularly. But they're stressing that their data is preliminary, given that the vaccination programme was still in its first phase. Sports news and we start with football. Manchester City remain 10 points clear at the top of the English Premier League after beating Arsenal 1-0. A rare header from Raheem Sterling helps City to their record 18th win in a row and he says his team have no plan to stop there. Yeah, it's a terrific thing to have, but at the same time, you know, this is finished now. And it's on to midweek in the Champions League and then again on the weekend. So that's our focus now is once one game's finished, you know, we look forward to the next one and try to get that result there. Manchester United overcame a sloppy first-half performance to beat Newcastle 3-1. It was only the second win in six league matches for the Red Devils. Their winger Dan James got on the score sheet for the third straight game. I'm enjoying it, give my all every time I play the game and sorry every time I play. The gaffer every time I play, trust me to go on the pitch and do that and I think I mean a lot of stuff that I've worked on the training ground is coming off at the minute and I've just got to keep capitalising on that. We turn now to what's been called one of snooker's greatest upsets. World number 81 Jordan Brown beat six-time world champion Ronnie O'Sullivan to win the Welsh Open. Brown became the lowest-ranked winner of a ranking event in more than a quarter century thanks to a break of 74 in the final frame decider. That gave the 750-to-one outsider from Northern Ireland, who was working in a petrol station just three years ago, a memorable nine frames to eight victory. Yeah, I'm absolutely speechless. I don't really know what to say. First of all, it's an absolute honour to play Ronnie O'Sullivan in the final. He's the greatest of all time, and it's just a privilege and an honour just to play him. Tennis and Naomi Osaka moved up one spot to second in the WTA rankings released today following her success in the Open, Australian Open, as she won her fourth Grand Slam title. The Japanese start beat Jennifer Brady of the US to lift the trophy for the second time in three years. Osaka trades places with Simona Halep, who dropped a third after losing to Serena Williams in the quarterfinals. Williams jumps four places to seventh, even though she was beaten by Osaka in the semifinals. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. A top mainland official says Beijing will lead electoral reform in Hong Kong. Sha Baolong says, also says key positions should only go to staunch patriots. And the chief executive and top officials get the first COVID-19 vaccines in the SAR. The news from RTHK. 